hey, I'm so thankful for his word. Isn't that an interesting story? I do want to mention to you today, um, some of you may have come ready to, to, to give, and we are grateful for that today, because we have a lot of work to do, especially as, the, as re- we respond to needs in our community. We are not passing the offering bags like we normally do, but you'll notice boxes. There's two back there. There's several. There are boxes on the wall. And uh, just because of this uh, virus, we've decided not to pass those bags. Uh, but you can put your offerings in those boxes, and, uh, and then, or you can give online. Our, our family does that, and I just wanted to mention that today. But when you look at the entire story of Samuel, it's relevant to where we are even in this moment. Because Samuel is this journey of God's people, and they're searching for a king. They've been searching for a king. And, and, and you know, it's difficult for us in our day. We have a tough time thinking about that kingship. Because most of us, and if we, in the United States, we don't look for a king. We actually oppose the king. That was the whole Revolutionary War uh, that took place a long time ago. And so we don't like, we don't submit to a king. And, but, but it's... But it's interesting, when you look at the children of Israel, they were longing to have a king over them. And when I think about uh, them and that people of God, we have a lot in common with them. Because what do we look to? We look to a, a leader when things are out of control. We, we really look to a king when life goes crazy. Now, now we, we looked at last week as we, as we evaluated this chapters 18 through 23 and looked at this passage that, that, that many people are in pursuit of, of an authority in their lives. Some of that authority is, is, is self, that they, we're our own authority. Some, some of those authorities are, are money. We, we trust in our money that our money will save us. Some of those authorities are, are power. If there, there's, power can save us. If I can overcome something in my own power or, or sexuality is, a, is, a, is something that people look to as if I only had this sexuality or if I only had that relationship that I would be somehow saved or, or maybe there is a relationship that I look to, but we've recognized that Christ is the only unbroken Savior. A relationship with Christ is what we need, and when we look at David, he is this, this figure in Scripture that points us to Jesus. And that's why as we evaluate David, as we look at Samuel, we've got to keep looking at Jesus because David is an example of Christ in our lives. And I love how God is using his word today even to equip us to, to trust him, to walk with him, to, to honor him. And, 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 you know, when you look at Samuel, this book clearly describes this shift of the Israelite worship at, at Shiloh to this, this move to Jerusalem. You see the, the, the book of Samuel, and Samuel was the last judge and, and you see this transition taking place from Samuel as he hands the kingdom to Saul and, and then eventually to David. And, and, and it's an amazing book of transition and this, this really difficult time in the life of God's people. And, and it's really a difficult time for over a decade because there's so much uncertainty. There's so much disunity. And I want us to feel this today because this story of, the, of David in the cave of Engedi is a fascinating story. It's an important story, and, and, and it deals with where we are right now because you know what? When you go through situations that are uncertain, times that are uncertain, what do we do? 
And David paints this picture and gives us this, this example of how do we respond in times of uncertainty. And then I think about all the uncertainty today. Like this day. I mean, me as a pastor got up today and I was texting all my pastor friends going, man, is anybody going to come to church today? You know, um, we, we were, and I'm grateful for our online opportunity for, for many people gathering today and watching us online. And that's a, that's a blessing of our day. But, but, but when we look at the uncertainty, are we going to go back to school? When are we going to go back to school? That's the million-dollar question with our college kids, our, our, our students in our room, in the room today. Will, will our economy recover? I mean, uh, we're looking at our 401Ks going, oh, my goodness, look at that. And, and there's uncertainty. The, will we get to watch sports again? Oh, my goodness. I mean, I mean, it's cracking me up. ESPN's running a ticker with soccer, nothing. <laughs> you know, baseball, nothing. <laughs> I mean, what in the world is our society going to do? There's so much uncertainty. Isn't that funny? Will my job be affected? Not funny. Concerns. Fears. And you know what's interesting is, is don't you wish God were like Siri on your maps? right? When, when, you, when you take a wrong turn or do something wrong, there would be a voice come on and say, recalculating, and then say, here you go, go this way. You know, we wish God would do that for us. Now, God has given us a real clear roadmap through his word, and, but, but, but let me tell you something. There are times we will have to wait on the Lord and, and, you know, when, it, when, when God calls us to wait on him, that tension of waiting on the Lord and learning to trust his hand in our lives is good for us. The times that we are in, like right now, it's uncertain. We have to wait on the Lord. We don't know what's going to happen in the next few days, few weeks. But let me tell you, this waiting on the Lord is good for us. Because as believers, we've already learned, haven't we, that God is faithful haven't we already learned that? We, can't we all look back on our lives, those that know Christ as your Savior? You may not know Christ as your Savior. And I want you to know that as you walk with the Lord, as you know the Lord, as you, as you come to know Christ as your Savior, you, you discover over and over again that God is faithful. In our past, we can look back and recognize he's never forsaken us. He's never left us. As believers, we know what it's like to get strength wisdom and provision from the Lord while he gives us that interesting virtue of patience? Like, have you ever prayed for patience? Have you ever prayed for that? Okay, you ought to, you ought to try. Because yeah, I've prayed for patience, and then the Lord gives me the great opportunity to experience it. And so <clears throat> this amazing story in First Samuel 24 it's got a lot to say to us. And, and, and in this day, in this passage, in this, David shows us, point number one is this, patience and faith are critical every time life takes an unexpected turn. Now, you know what's amazing is uh, God helped us. I, this sermon we wrote, ten, I wrote 10 days ago before I knew what this was going to happen. This is an unexpected turn. I wrote these notes 10 days ago. And, and I want us to recognize patience and faith are critical every time life takes an unexpected turn. And, and, and you know, in 1 Samuel 24, life's not going well for David. It's tough. It's a tough time for him. 
I mean, he had, I mean, think about the highs and lows of David right now. He, he had the high of Samuel coming to his house and anointing him as the next king. And, and then his brothers and his dad said, that's neat. Now go watch the sheep. Okay, thanks, buddy. See ya. Go, go, go back out in the field in your normal day. And then, then he had the, that's a low. That's a high to a low. Oh, my goodness, Samuel, the judge, just anointed me. Now I'm back to normal. Uh, then you see David going and defeating Goliath. Oh, my goodness, this is a national stage. The whole nation of Israel looks at David and says, good job. Then Saul begins this, this decade journey of trying to kill him. And it's a low in his life. It's a, it's a terrible time. There's disunity. Look at verse 1. Let's look back at it. When, when Saul returned from, fo- from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000, look at this, chosen men out of all Israel. So, so Saul went and took the toughest men that he could find uh, out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goats and rocks. I've been to En Gedi. We went there when we were uh, in Israel, and it was fascinating as you look at this river coming down, the stream, and all these caves. They're everywhere. And uh, it, it makes sense when you think that someone could hide in those. And verse 3, and when he came to the sheepfolds, by the way, where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. That's the Hebrew version of he went to the bathroom. He goes in to go to the bathroom, and David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. That would be shocking, wouldn't it? And and the men of David said to him, here is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Okay, think of this moment. I mean, this guy, is Saul is trying to kill him. He's thrown a spear at him. He's undercut him. We already saw last, in the last message last week that four times Saul tried to kill him. And I don't know about you, but I can feel the tension of David as, as this man's trying to kill me. You're in battle. It's not like David was afraid to kill somebody. He'd killed many people. But Saul is sitting there, and he is literally a sitting duck going to the bathroom right there. And what does David do? Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. I mean, I, I, can, I can look at this and I think, oh my goodness, this is the, this is the perfect circumstance. Have you ever been in that moment that, that desires and, and ideal circumstances come together? But did you realize that desires and circumstances don't always equate to God's will? You realize that? That there are times that desires and circumstances come together, but that doesn't mean it's the will of God. And, and I've, I've had this experience, and I've, I've had men come up to me and say, you know what, Chris? Um, I know I'm married to this lady, but, but oh my goodness, I have feelings for this other woman. And look, these circumstances came together, and it just, I think it works better there. And you're like, No. That, that, there are times desires and circumstances come together, and it's not the will of God. 
And I know Christians that, that they, they look at this. They look at my heart's desire. They look at their circumstances. And when it comes together, they go, it must be the God, God's will. I remember one day, I was literally, I got on my knees praying for God to provide for the ambassador baseball ministry. We were needing some, we were short on a mission trip. And I was on my knees going, God, would you provide? And I said, I'm going to go to the post office. And, and I was fully trusting that I was going to open the door, open the post office uh, box, and there was going to be a check in there that was going to cover our needs. And when I got to the post office, I opened the box, and the only thing that was there was a casino ad. Okay? The only thing. And I stood there for a second and looked at it and thought, Lord, are you speaking to me right now? Put everything on red 22 or whatever. I don't know. And, but, 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 you know, I've had people that will justify circumstances and desires in ways like that. Now, I'm I did not go to the casino that day. I threw the thing away. But, but I want you to recognize there are times that desires to circum- and circumstances come together, and that doesn't mean it's God's will. And here's what I want you to think about. Demonic plans are, are often couched to look like good ideas. And it's interesting that this was a situation that David, his fighting men are saying, hey, dude, he wants to kill you. And here he is, delivered to you. And, um, and you know what? Circumstances coming together does not always equate to the will of God. And we need to recognize that. But here's what we know. Here's what we recognize, that God is faithful to speak and lead in the right direction. And that's what God does in David's life. He leads in the right direction. David finds himself in this compromising situation. He's desiring, and and his men are desiring to push him to murder, and to murder Saul. Yet, simultaneously, you see David conflicted that, that, look, don't do this. And and look at what it says in verse 5. And afterwards, David's heart struck him. Why did it strike him? Not because he didn't kill him. It struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Isn't that interesting? His heart is struck. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord. The Lord's anointed. Now, it would be easy for David to justify. No, I'm the Lord's anointed. Samuel anointed me. But you know what also? Samuel anointed Saul. And Saul was looking at this, or David was looking at Saul going, Lord, uh, I know I'm the next king, but he's still been anointed. So David's mentality is, Lord, if, you're gonna, if, if he's to die, you kill him. I'm not going to kill him. That's David's heart here. And look at verse 7. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. I can see men that are going, David, if you won't kill him, I'll do it. I'll kill him. Get out of the way. I'll kill him right now. And David persuaded his men, no, you're not. You're not going to do it. And Saul rose and left the cave and went on his way. That's so interesting. As this unfolds, you know what I, what I see? David's waiting on the Lord. And when I think about waiting on the Lord, point number two is this. The ability to wait on the Lord is a heart matter. It's a matter of our heart. And folks, there are times we have to wait on the Lord. And I want you to know that is a matter of our heart. David is such an example of being a man after God's heart. Why? Because he was faithful to wait on the Lord and not take matters into his own hands. And so often we, and I struggle with this because I'm a leader, 
I, I am. I've always been a leader from the time I was little. I was like, I want to lead something. And, uh, and that was just how I, I was as a kid, as a, on my basketball teams in ninth grade, as a, in, in my tennis teams growing up, in my school, my high school. I wanted to be a leader. I tried to be a leader. And one of the mistakes of leaders that leaders make is they tend to take matters into their own hands. And I, and I think this is a warning to me, a heart issue for me, as I think about the importance of waiting. Because sometimes when we think of waiting, waiting is often despised because, because of its apparent inaction. And, and I've been that way. I'm like, do something, wall. Do something. Like, so like what we're in right now. I, I think about as a church, what are we going to do? And that's a good thing to think about. But let me tell you something, there are many times we just have to wait on the Lord. And waiting sometimes seems like inaction, but you know what? David's waiting shows passionate trust and perceptive action. David's, David's acting here. He's, he's acting, saving Saul's life from his own men. It's interesting. And how do we wait on the Lord? Well, we wait on the Lord by seeking the Lord. I think about Psalm 123.2. Like a servant's eyes on his master's hand, like a servant's girl on his mistress's hand, so our eyes are on the Lord our God until he shows us favor. When I think about us right now, where should our eyes be? On the Lord, on him. Lord, we're looking to you as our helper, as our savior, as our hope. Yes, we have leaders that we should pray for. Yes, we have leaders we should honor. But folks, our eyes have got to be on the Lord. And that's why when, when I think about the fear that is gripping our culture right now, let's be a people that put our eyes on the Lord. Let's trust the Lord. I mean, goodness gracious, if he's for us, who can be against us? I mean, isn't that the conversation we should be having with our children? Hey, God's faithful. Yeah, let's not be, let's take measures. We're not going to, we're going to suspend the Romans 16, greet one another with a holy kiss for at least three weeks, okay? Here, I'm just kidding. No one's kissing you when you come to church. But, but the reality is, look, we should take precautions, sure. We should be wise, sure. But let's trust the Lord. Look at verse 8. Afterward, David also arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul. Can you imagine Saul in this moment recognizing what he just survived? And Saul looked behind him. David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, behold, David seeks your harm? Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. And I said, I will not put my hand against the Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. He was like, Lord, he's your anointed. You take care of him. That's the heart of Saul. See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For by the fact I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. 
I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. And I love this heart of David. Lord, you avenge me. You take care of it. And I wish we were like that. We need to be like that. Lord, you take care of this virus. Lord, you take care of my finances. You take care of my future. You take care of my job. He will. As the proverb of the ancients say, out of the wicked come wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom, the ki- after whom has the king of Israel come out? After whom do you pursue? After a dead dog, a flea? What's interesting is David, Saul, is, oh, he's not fighting the battle he's supposed to be fighting, which is against the Philistines. He's seeking after David. And sometimes we fight the wrong battles. We fight each other when we need to be recognizing who the enemy is. And and that's why I don't want us to fight each other. Oh, my goodness. That will paralyze us as a church. And he says, verse 16, as soon as David's finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, is this your voice, David, my son? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And he said to David, you are more righteous than I. And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. Oh, excuse me. For, for I, he said, for I have repaid me good, whereas, whereas I have repaid you. You have repaid me good, where I have repaid you evil. And then, then Saul asked that question. Hey, would you spare my, my when he goes, you're going to be the king. You, you've shown you're going to be the king. Would you take care of my descendants? Swear that you, verse 21, swear to me that the Lord, by the Lord, that you will not cut off my offspring after me. And you will not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swore this to Saul. And Saul went home, and David and his men went up to the stronghold. And you know what's interesting about David? He kept his word out of that promise to Saul. Now, lastly, as we wrap up today, when I think about this cave, point number three is this. This cave reveals what a patient heart looks like. And you know, you know there's, I want you to turn over to Psalm 57. Turn over with me to Psalm 57. This is the song that David wrote when he was in the cave at En Gedi. And there's some things that we really got to hear about a patient heart. Because, folks, we need a patient heart right now. We need, a, we need a heart that says, God, we will wait for you. Whether it's this storm of the coronavirus or whether it's the storm of loss in your life, or whether it's the storm of fear in your life. This is the heart we've got to have. And and there's four little, four things I want to point out about Psalm 57. Look at verse 1. David writes, be gracious to me, God. Be gracious to me. For I take refuge in you. I will seek refuge in the shadow of your wings until danger passes. I call to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. You know what we got to do? We've got to have complete trust in the sovereignty of God. In this day, in this moment in history, in this unprecedented moment that we are in, Let's be a people that have complete trust in the sovereignty of God. You know what sovereignty means, don't you? It's it's, God is in control. God is, is the ruler. And David right here says, Lord, I will take refuge in you. I will I will seek refuge in the shadow of your wings until danger passes. You know what I I anticipate? This danger will pass. 
And let's seek the Lord under his protection, under his shadow, until this danger passes. Because here's what we know. God will fulfill his purposes for every one of us. And don't you want to be in the purposes of God? Don't you want to be in the middle of God's will rather than your will? Oh, let's, let's com- have complete trust in the sovereignty of God. Second thing you see in the psalm, you, you have complete acknowledgement of God's faithful love. Look at verse 3 and 4. It says this, He reaches down from heaven and saves me, challenging the one who tramples me. God sends his faithful love and truth. I am surrounded by lions. I lie down among devouring lions, people whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. You know what David does here? In the cave and in Getty, he's completely acknowledging God's faithful love. So can I challenge us in this time of uncertainty to completely acknowledge the faithful love of God? It's critical for us. Look at verse 5 and 6. You see, this, you see this in David. Notice this, this selfless surrender to the will of God. And, and this is what he, what he, look at this. God be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be over the whole earth. They prepared a net for my steps. I was despondent. They dug a pit ahead of me, but they fell in it. I want you to know you can com- live completely surrendered to the to the will of God. Let's trust the will of God today. You think all this is a surprise to him? You think God's like, oh man, I didn't see that coming. Oh my goodness, wow. I wonder what's going to happen. No, God has a plan for you, for me. And it is so intentional that it's mind-boggling. Like Psalm 139 verse 16 says, all your days were written in a book before one of them came to be. David was surrendered to the will of God. God, I will trust your will. Even though though I could kill the anointed right now, Lord, you take care of that. Let's be that way. Let's look at this day that we're in and say, Lord, you take care of this. And lastly, look at verse 7. You see David's satisfaction with God's masterful plan, don't you? Look at this. My heart is confident. God, my heart is confident. I will sing. I will sing praises. Josh, I want you to come up. I mean, look at David. In this cave, in this dark time, in this time of, of running, in this time of, of, here's this man, this king that's seeking his life. What does David Exemplify a heart that says, I will trust in your masterful plan. Folks, God is working right now in our lives, in our nation, in our world, a masterful plan. And what I don't want to do is overlook it or doubt it or be, or be afraid of it. Oh, Lord, I want your plan for life. I want your plan for future. And so what does David say? Oh, I got to sing praises because of his plan. And you may be going, well, Chris, you don't know. You don't know my week. The coronavirus is the least of my concerns. You don't know my my hurt, my pain, my suffering, my, my difficulty. 
I don't, I may not. I may not. But let me tell you something. I know the one who sees you. I know the one who knows you. I know the one who's willing to walk with you. And so in a time of cultural craziness and uncertainty, we're not uncertain. We're standing on a rock, the Bible says. I mean, a rock that is stable, that is secure. Why? Because our God is faithful, regardless of the circumstances. Now, we know, John 16, 33, in the world we will have trouble, but he's overcome this world, every bit of it. So let's trust him. Now, our altars are going to be open, and, and if you need someone to pray for you, we will trust the Lord and stand here and pray over you. Okay, our staff's going to be down front. There's going to be some people down front. And, um, but let's, let's do what David did. I will sing praises. So Josh is going to lead us in the singing of praises, even if you're watching you're at home. Okay, I want everybody to stand up. If you're at home, this may be weird. Stand up at your couch, off your couch or wherever you are. If you're in your pajamas, no selfies, okay? Um, but let's sing. Let's sing praises. And let's sing uh, loud. And let's trust the Lord.